welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. are continuing our series, Starlight, and I want to say thank you to all the campus pastors and teaching team that uh, kicked off the series for us last week. They were talking about uh, the stars, and some of them are experts. Some of them are novice, like myself, novices like myself. Um, One of them said he was talking about his favorite star, Starbucks. That was not in the notes, by the way, and uh, wasn't authorized, but uh, we looked at uh, the the scripture in Jeremiah, and I'll talk about that in just a minute because we're going to build on it. But I do want to tell you that uh, next week in the series, we're going to look at astrology and why a follower of Jesus Christ uh, does not look to the stars for their direction. So just letting you know that that's going to be next week why a horoscope has no place in the life of a believer. The week after that, we have an amazing guest that uh, teaches astronomy. He's taught it for 15 years. He's a graduate of Harvard Law. Um, This guy is genius, one of 100 parliamentarians in the world. He's a Christian uh, astronomer, just believes the heavens truly do declare the glory of the Lord. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll continue on in the series for several weeks. But today I want to build on uh, what was laid down at all the campuses last week with a scripture from Jeremiah where we said, Ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth by thy great power. Nothing is too difficult for thee. Now I use the King James Version there because how many are familiar with that song? Go ahead, raise your hand, date yourself. You're probably a charismaniac. All right, you know. How many remember that? You know, ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens and the earth. You know, I mean, it was just a, nothing is too difficult for the, and you kind of do that when you're saying it. Nothing is too difficult. You know, it was cheesy. I can't believe the church grew back then. I'm just being honest. You know, between that and E minor songs. Oh, man. Anyways. So it, we're going to move from a song. And again, I know the, the scripture wasn't about a song, but for many of us, that scripture is a song. But God was telling Jeremiah, buy that land. I'll get it to you someday. It's going to be your descendants. It's not too difficult for me. And again, we sing it. I want to move from a song because, again, we look at Jeremiah's situation and his, what was going on. And it's, it's more of a song or something up there. I want to move it into a situation that maybe you can identify with. I want you to move it to a situation that deals with something that even families in our church deal with right now, where a family wants a baby and they can't have a baby and it's taking time. Maybe they believe God has promised them for a baby and it's not coming to pass. We see that story in Genesis 15, where this is something that we can tangibly identify with that this couple wants a baby. They believe that there's a promise that's been given to them and they're crying out to God like, what's happening in the delay? And so maybe you're believing for something that is very tangible to you. It's not a baby, but it's a promise for your child, a promise for your life, a promise for your job, a promise for a calling that God's placed on your life. And you're trying to figure out, where is it? Where is it? Like, I get the song, but I'm in a situation 
that's, that's ripping my guts out right now that I'm trying to figure out. And we're going to look at one and I want you to gather the intensity of a couple that wants a baby. But not just because they want a baby like any other married couple would want. They want a baby because God made a promise. God made a promise and they're like, where is it? It's taking a long time. It's taking a long time. So in Genesis 15, we have this story. And again, we just read it. We see it so quick, but there's intensity wrapped around it that we want the promise to come to pass. So in Genesis 15, it says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. And if I could just stop for a moment. Abram, that was his name. And then God renamed to Abraham, father of nations, father of many. All right. And so he named him from father to father of many. He says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. There's another way to look at it. It could mean your reward is very great in me, God was saying. And Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed God and the Lord credited to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans, uh, to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And in that moment, then the Lord enters into a covenant. He has him separate a, a bull and some other animals and he has a covenant moment with him. That's where he falls into a sleep and God speaks to him in that dream and says, here's what will happen and there'll be captivity, but all of this is gonna happen. I'm true to my promise. It's going to happen. And in that moment, then Abraham believes God for that promise. But he's, he's looking at this moment, and as we look at this story, he's wondering, like, where in the world will this come from? I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. God, help me out. How will I be able to have this happen? I don't get it. And I love that God used the stars as an object lesson. I love that God loves object lessons. I love that when I read the Gospels, I see Jesus using object. What should I liken this to? It's like a little seed or what should I, it's like that. It's a little yeast. I love that God understands, you know, that we need object lessons. And so for Abraham, he brings him out into this moment and he says, go outside and look at the stars. I'm giving you an object lesson from creation. He says, go ahead, look up there, see if you can count them. And, and if you think about it, just the stars in our own galaxy in the Milky Way, if we were to count them one per second, I think your campus pastors share this, it would take 2,500 years for us just to count the stars in our galaxy, like one per, 2,500 years, like it's not, we're not going to do it. And that's why God's like, count them if you can, you know, but for so just a moment, I want to throw a picture up there that looks like might have what would have happened with Abraham. Go ahead, throw this picture up. Look, look at that. I, I mean, just add a beard to that guy and that's Abraham. You know what I'm saying? And, and looking out, that's, our, that's from earth. That's just beautiful what's going on there. That's a, a real picture of the stars. He's like, look out. Take a look at this. See if you can count that. Do you understand what I'm talking about coming through your life? I pray you get out and look at the stars like we said in this series. I hope you have one of those moments. I know that Connor and I, our oldest son Connor and I, had a moment when we were in Swaziland on the, on the last day of the global team to Swaziland. You usually do a, a, a safari and that night we were in the middle of nowhere, no lights, you know, and we just stood out there and we're in awe of the stars and just thinking about all the scriptures there. I hope you have a moment like that there. 
I hope you can download that Star Guide app. I think it's a couple dollars, but you can look up and be able to see the constellations. I mean, I think we have a picture of Orion, and you can be able to connect the dots up there and be able to see. There's another picture of 10,000 galaxies. Go ahead and throw that up there. This is not a picture of stars. This is a picture right now where the Hubble telescope was pointed towards nothing. They thought there was nothing out there. And then they looked and there were like 10,000 galaxies. I mean, the amount of stars that would be in that picture is not billions. It's not trillions. It's like whatever goes zillions and gazillions, whatever it is. You know, it's like there's a lot there. And it's, it's amazing that God was using stars. One more picture here. Um, there's the Horsehead Nebula. Go ahead and throw that. Yeah. Okay. So that's like uh, the Horsehead Nebula there. And that's uh, dirt and just the gases. And it's giving birth to new stars. Right now at this moment, it's giving birth to new stars that are coming out of the nebula. It's fascinating. And, and when we think about how many stars are there and there's new stars being birthed all the time, the Bible tells us in Psalm 147.4, it says, He determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. He's saying, Abraham, look out there. I got, I mean, look at this. Take a look at this. Okay, and he's using this object lesson of stars. And he says, I determine the number and I call them all by name. And for just a moment here, um, just want to let you know that uh, River Valley Church, because we're in the star series, I, I said I wanted to name uh, some stars for our church. And um, at first we were going to name a star for each of our campus pastors. And then we thought we didn't, you know, it, we didn't want to exalt them too high. So uh, we actually did a star for every campus. Okay. So in the Cancer Constellation, I think we have a picture of it where you could see the Cancer Constellation. Yeah. In that constellation, there are 24 stars there that are named River Valley 1, River Valley 2, River Valley 3, all the way to River. Because we believe there's going to be 24 campuses. So we named... Uh, 24 uh, stars, so, one, so you could figure out where you are. So Apple Valley, River Valley 1, you know, Faribault, River Valley 2, Shockby's uh, uh, River Valley 3, you get the point. And so, and River Valley 9 is going to be, I'm not telling. Anyways, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll reveal that later, but anyways. Um, but so we did 24 stars, and so we now have 24 campus, you know, stars. And so we just did that. And when we did that, I want to let you know that they threw in, the, the place threw in 10 acres of the moon. And so I have the lunar land deed. And uh, River Valley owns 10 acres of the moon. It says, from the authority of the moon register, this document signifies the registration of 10 acres of the lunar surface in relation to the property, lot number 63 of 802. So if you want to know where one of our campuses might be, <laughs> lot 63, I'm just saying. And it says on the bottom, it says, River Valley Church to boldly go, like a little Star Trek, to boldly go and lead people in an authentic life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know that the 1967 Outer Space Treaty by the UN says that no country can own space on the moon, but I heard that Trump was pulling us out of the treaty, so I'd get it now while you can. I'm just saying, you know. So, anyways. I believe God was saying, look out there, connect the dots, not try to find Orion, not try to find the Big Dipper. I think God was saying, go out and connect the dots here. Recognize who you're talking to. Connect the dots. Do you understand? I have something for you. Connect the dots. I mean, I know you're thinking you don't have any kids, but connect the dots. Because Abraham, Abraham was promised, you're going to have great wealth. You are going to have this land. And even though he was a nomad living in that land, it still was promised him. And he was walking around on the land that later his family would inherit that right now is modern day Israel. I mean, he was walking around on that land and knew that was going to come to pass. It made sense to him. But he's looking around. He's like, I don't have any children. I don't have not 
not one child, let alone stars of, of children. And I'm sure when, when God promised, you know, the number of children, I'm sure he's like, Sarah, how many rooms do you think I should build? And she's like, well, why don't we wait till we have one or two? You know, he's like, I'm, I'm going to add an addition. You think we'll have triplets? I mean, who knows what he's thinking? Like, I mean, look at the stars. I mean, we're probably having triplets. Quintuplets. I mean, you know, he's probably thinking, you know, all this. And, and as time's going by, he's wondering, there are no kids. And in Genesis 15, he's saying, how can this be? How can a promise that you made to me come true? How can this be? I don't have any kids. Side note. As I look at the promises of God, when he interjects with people, a lot of times he's making a promise to them and their answer is, how can this be? How can this be? Like, do you know who you just called? I mean, do you, how, how can a FBI guy be a missionary? I mean, do you know who you call? Hey, how can it, I mean, it's in real life, it's in the Bible. I mean, Mary, you're gonna have a, a, a baby. How can this be? Uh, Zechariah, you're gonna have a, a son. How can this be? You see that a lot of times. So if you're wondering, like, God, how did you give me that promise? How did you call me? How did you do that through me? You're in good company. You're in good company because that is a natural response to this. And as the years go by, you can imagine the disappointment. He's discouraged in the delay. He's it's like, come on, we're going to have a baby. 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 And I got to think at some point they're like, this is worthless. This is futile. This is never going to happen. It's never, ever, ever going to happen. I, I don't know what you've been praying for. Maybe you've been praying and believing that you and your household will be saved and you're believing for that and you're like, it's never going to happen. Have you, how can this be? Have you seen my family? How can this be? I'm telling you, hold on to the promise. I'm telling you, hold on to it. And he's discouraged by the delay and it's, and it's normal. I love that this scripture is here, the story is here because it makes me feel normal when things are delayed. I mean, Abraham's delayed 25 years. I, I just know a, a delay in the realm of like 10 to 12 years. I can remember when, when we started River Valley Church. When Becca and I started River Valley Church, I said, hey, it's gonna grow so fast. It's gonna happen. It's gonna be overnight sensation, you know, but I need you to do this. I need you to work outside the home and to earn some money. I need you to be an accountant like she was. You know, she went to school for it and, I, and maybe a year of working and then, you know, you're done. I mean, that's all, because we'll probably be 500 to 1,000. Don't worry. You know, at the end of the year, we were like 80 people. 10 years later, she's still working, you know, and it's, it's a grind to grow the church. And what I had in my mind, what I thought, kind of the vision that God gave me for the church was taking so long to pass. And, and I used to get so discouraged. And, I, and I, people would come up to me after service and they'd be visitors and they'd be like, this is a great church. It's going to explode. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be huge in, in no time. It's going to explode. And I can remember getting so sick and tired of people saying how great the church was and how slow it was growing. And I remember in staff meeting one time, I said, next person that comes up to me and says that, I'm going to punch them. And they're like, don't do that. It's usually visitors. All right, don't do that. Yeah. Not that I should punch anybody. I'm just saying, you know. But I was just so frustrated. Like, where is this? What is it going to be? And, and you might be there. Like, what's happening? What's the delay? What's the delay? There's a few things about the delay that you've got to grab hold of. God's timetable is not your timetable. Okay? He makes a promise, and, and we are like, and he's like, oh, no, no, you're not ready. I think sometimes the promises are delayed because we don't have the character to hold the promise once it's delivered. I really believe that. 
Now looking back on River Valley from this side, looking back, I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for every slow, grinding step that we took. Thank you. Because God shaped in me the character that could hold the blessing once he gave me the blessing. So in the timetable, learn that lesson. Maybe the delay right now, don't let go of the promise, but realize he might be forming within you the character you need so you can hold the blessing as he brings it to you. Uh, Another thing when God delays the timetable outside of our time frame, how many know it adds excitement to to the blessing when it finally gets there? I mean, can you imagine the excitement that Abraham and Sarah had when they're like, you know, I mean, that would be a party. Like, it's a boy. I mean, how many know that was a major party and there was excitement in it and and God's just building up to that moment. Another thing that happens in the delay is God gets the glory and we don't get the glory. How many know that when Abraham and, and Sarah were telling everybody, like, we had a baby, there are other people looking around going, how can that be? They're old. Only God. How many know? Only God. And he gets all the glory. And here's the thing. If we were to get our blessings right away without delay, we are such glory seekers. We are such credit takers that we'd fall into the trap. The devil would be like, you did that. You're right, I did. And we'd start believing that we did it. And so sometimes in the delay, then God's like, no, you don't understand. I delayed you so that I would get the glory and you wouldn't take all the credit because the delay glorifies God. Now, in your delay, in your delay, we're all going to face them. In your delay, don't be discouraged. Like, I, I'm a loser for being discouraged. Again, if Abraham is like, I'm discouraged, Lord. I'm discouraged. Here's what I've learned about this story. I, I believe God is okay with you pouring out your discouragement to him. Okay? He's okay with even questions like, God, I'm not sure how is this going to happen. I'm just trying to, I'm trying. He's not okay with you living a discouraged, defeated life, but he's okay with those honest moments. And Abraham said, you know, he doesn't even do the, ah, Lord God, thou hast made the heavens, nothing is too difficult. He doesn't add any flowery speech. He's just like, how? Don't have any kids. We're old. Like, I don't get this. And, and I believe God's okay with you pouring out your heart. And when we see the delay, when you see the delay, let me give you a a tip here. Um, A lot of us like to brainstorm and we try to help God out. How many know what I'm talking? Like, we're like, okay, God, I got a plan. I got a plan. I got a plan. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's how it's going to work. And God's like, no, don't do that. You know? And we see that with Abraham. So he's just like us. And he's like, okay, God, God, my servant, he's going to, he's going to be the one that gets, and God's like, no, not your servant. Okay. I'm going to have a son. Okay. It's got to be Hagar and Ishmael. God's like, no, stop trying to help. And here's what I would say. When you're trying to figure out how to help God fulfill the promises that he's put on your life, I would say, stop brainstorming and start stargazing. Stop brainstorming and just go, you're amazing. How are you going to do this? Surprise us all, God. I don't have a clue, but this is going to be great. I'm just waiting for you to make this. Give me the steps. I'll follow them and, and I'll trust you. And God's saying, get out and look at the stars. Get out, look out there and see his glory and see how amazing he is and say, okay, God's got this. God's got this. Matter of fact, I have a sign in my office, Lucas from our Shakopee campus. He made it and it says, I've got this, God, you know. And I have to be reminded of that because I am a fixer guy. When there's a problem, I'm like, okay, let's fix it. I mean, it took me 20 years of marriage to learn to do this with Becca. Uh Uh-huh. 
hmm, that probably feels bad. I mean, you know, I, it, she should have had a sign that said, just say, aha, you know, because I'm like a fixer. I'm like, okay, I got I to get this. And with God, I have to learn that too. Like, he's got this. He's got this. And I believe that when we look up at the stars and we see God, we're like, okay, God, you, you have it. You're good for this. You're strong. You're mighty. And the Bible tells us in that story in Genesis 15, it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Okay, Paul thinks this is so significant that he uses it in Romans. In Romans 4, verse 3, he says, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he's saying that Abraham had a right relationship with God because he's like, I trust you, I believe you. And God's like, yes, because you have faith in me and believe in me, I'm giving you righteousness. You didn't deserve this, you didn't earn it. And I'm giving you righteousness, a right standing before me. And I'm, I'm placing that in your life because you're trusting me and you believe I can do what I said I will do. You have to have faith in God and believe that he will do what he said he will do. Even though Abraham couldn't see his answers, he could see God's greatness and he trusted him. And you may not be able to see your answer, but you've got to see God's greatness and trust him. You just have to do that. And you have to say, God, I trust you. I believe in you. I believe you're, you're so good. And here's what I'm going to do, God. I'm going to look back at what you've done and I'm going to look up at how great you are. What we want to do is we want to look at our problem. God said, don't look at your problem. Matter of fact, in verse six, in one of the earlier verses of, of Genesis 15, I believe it's maybe seven, he says, look back. I, I, am I not the one that took you from Ur? Am I not the one that got you from there? I got you from there to there to there to there. I got you where you need to be. I protected you. So God's saying, look back. And that's what we should do. God, are you not the one that took care of me here? Are you not the one that did that? You did that before. You, you count your blessings. And God's like, watch your faith rise as you look back at what I've done. Then skip over and looking at your problem. And then look up at me. Be inspired by how amazing I am, by how great I am. Look up and look back, but don't look at. And that's what he's saying to, to Abraham. And he's like, come on, I've got this. Uh, my promises are true. Look at my character. Look at my track record. Look at how good, look at my strength. Look at how amazing I am. And trust me, trust me in this. Now there's two types of promises in the Bible. And I want to let you know the type of promise that God was using. Okay, there's, there's one type of promise that's used in the Bible that's an if-then Okay, where God's giving a promise and it's like, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, then I, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal, hear from heaven and heal their land. If, then, promise, okay? But there's other promises and that's the one that God is using with Abraham here. It's a promise and the promise is just made on God's goodness. He's like, I'm a good God. You don't deserve this. I'm doing this because of who I am and how great I am and how powerful I am and my character and my goodness and my grace on you and I'm making this promise to you and you need to receive it and believe that I'm a God that will keep that promise. And it's not an if then. It's just a promise that God is making on his goodness. And that's what he's doing with Abraham. He's like, I'm going to do this. You're not good enough for this. You don't deserve it. It's all by grace. You're getting this promise fulfilled. I'm giving you a child. I'm going to have your descendants be as, as numerous as the stars. Later on in Genesis, he says, as numerous as the sand. 
and as numerous as the stars. And theologians years, years ago used to think that God was talking number in sand and quantity in stars, and, or uh, quality, number and quality. And then now with the Hubble telescope, we're realizing he probably was talking number and number, maybe quality too. But he was saying, I've got this. You don't deserve it. My promise is true. I'm giving you this. I'm, and and if, if you'll trust me, I will give you this. That's the type of thing he's saying, connect the dots. Connect the dots. I'm good. And again, maybe that delay is bringing you down. You're like, Lord, where are you? Where are you? I'm going to tell you this. In that delay, trust God. Let him develop in you what he needs to. I, I'll never forget one of our um, elders at River Valley Church said they felt called to be part of the Live Dead ministry. This was years ago, okay? Years ago. Matter of fact, he started as an intern, then became an elder, and then he and his wife uh, uh, got on our team. They both have credentials. And they said, we feel like we're called to be part of uh, a ministry to the Middle East. And, and every door that they kept looking at to get there was go this way, this. And they're like, we want to go that way. And they kept going. And they're like, ah, oh, they were so frustrated. And as I was praying for them one day, I was like, Lord, I mean, seriously, this is the conversation. I said, do you realize if you go to that country, you, you could die? And they're like, we know it, but we want to go there. I was like, wow. And I was like, Lord, they want to go there. And, and it was like, delay, delay, delay. And, and one day I was praying for them and God said to me, he said, tell them the detour is going to get them to their destination. So I, went, I said, it's a detour, but the detour is going to get you to your destination. They went over there. They were pastors in Wisconsin. They went around. And now today we've been able to send them as missionaries to exactly to the place they wanted to go. The detour still got them there. And in that delay, they understood God's going to get us to a place that we couldn't even get to on our own. We couldn't make it up. God's going to get us to where. So trust him. And I want to tell you this right now. If you know Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, do you realize you are part of that promise that God made to Abraham. Right now, as, as the world is filled with over a billion, at least a billion Christians, think about that, over a billion right now on earth that are people that profess the name of Jesus Christ, you are part of that promise, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing, and it continues to grow, part of that promise. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, it's your opportunity to get into this. Here and at all of our campuses, we're going to give an opportunity for people to give their life to Jesus Christ. And they're going to be able to have you say yes to Jesus because his promises are true. He says, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. He said, if you come to him, he will in no way cast you out. He says that he, if you ask him to forgive you of your sins, he will, he will forgive you of them and, and remove them as far as the east is from the west. The Bible says if you uh, ask him to be your Lord and Savior, you will have eternal life. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears me knock and opens the door, I'll come in. That means, he's saying, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are promises that are made not on your goodness, not on your goodness. It's made on his goodness, and it's very real. So here and at all of our campuses, I want us to bow our head so that here and at all of our campuses, either myself or one of the pastors will have an opportunity to give you that moment to say yes to Jesus.